live in a world that struggles with feeling busy and overwhelmed. At the same time, us mamas want to feel we're living intentionally and with purpose. At the end of the day, you won't have to sit worn out on the couch feeling like it all just wasn't enough. Here, you'll find the tools to slow it down, nurture your own goals, and live restored. Each week, we have real-life conversations about motherhood, work, relationships, and all the things in between. I'm your host, Jen Brazil. Welcome to the Unhurried Life Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Unhurried Life. I am your host, Jen Brazil, and this week continues in the month of June as we talk about decluttering, organization, and simplification of your life. Three things that I have totally been loving and loving learning about, to be honest. This week, we are hearing from Miss Mallory Shows, where if I was a one on the Enneagram, I'm pretty sure I would be Mallory, but I'm not. I'm a seven, but there are so many things that we found as we were doing this interview that we have in common. I love the practicality and the real life application that Mallory brings to the table this week. We even venture outside of just talking about organizing your house and we go into a little bit about business and how Mallory got to where she is now. It has a little something to do with Marie Kondo and a quick Instagram mention that I think is just such a fun and inspirational part of her story. Can't wait for you to listen in. Hey, Mallory, I am so glad you're joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yes. Oh, this is going to be so fun. I know you have a ton to share. Before we started this call, we were just chatting about life and you have an amazing story to walk through. I cannot wait for you to share it with everyone. So first, just tell me a little bit about yourself and kind of how you got to where you are today. I am 33 years old and I think organizing has always been something like maybe I was born to organize (laughs) like always been ingrained in me. Not everybody can say that. So that is extremely rare. (laughs) And I've learned that. Like I think before I started this job in 2018, I thought it was totally normal. And I thought there's no way someone's going to pay me to do this. Everyone just does it. That's definitely not true. And why I have a job. (laughs) No. Yes. (laughs) Yes. So I'm 33. I have three little girls. Our third was our attempt at a boy and she was a girl. So we are and you're happy. Everyone always asks me that when I when they see three girls. It's like, are you going to try for a boy? And I will point at my youngest and say, this is my try for a boy. And here she is. And we love her. And she is the most perfect way to complete our family. An eight-year-old, a six-year-old, and a nine-month-old. Ellie, Maddie, and Kennedy. And then I am married to my high school best friend. His name's Brandon. And we did not date in high school. We did not date in college. We've been best friends since about sophomore year of high school. And then date uh, three years after college. <laughs> so Wow. We knew each other for a long time. And as soon as we started dating, it didn't take really a long time because it was just that, is there a connection? Because I already knew him so well. So, and there was, and it was been, it's been great. He's my best friend for sure. Trying to think what else am I telling you about myself? Okay, my goodness. I started in 2018 called Hello Happy Home. And I wanted to name it Hello Something. Like I wanted it to feel like an inviting kind of thing when someone heard it. And Happy Home just kind of happened. And my desire is that I would help transform their chaotic spaces into clutter-free homes that bring freedom and invites freedom and it invites peace just through the act of decluttering and or 
organizing and having systems set up. And I think that until a client brings me in, they don't understand how big of a change that can make for your home. And I've had so many of my clients during this whole quarantine thing messaging me saying, you know, I knew I loved it before, but now that my entire family is under one roof all the time and I see my kids in the kitchen knowing where things go and my husband's able to put the groceries away, it just brings a whole different thankfulness to the order and the freedom that it brings. Yeah, I bet. Man, I never would have even thought about it that way. You're speaking my love language with systems and organization. I was not born a natural organizer, but I have found like what you're saying that creating systems in your life is just going to be what gives you freedom and the ability to finish your coffee while it's still hot. Right. I reheat at least four times a day. And then sometimes my husband comes home and finds it sitting under the coffee thing and I forgot to even get it. I love it. Yeah. It makes makes my heart happy. That's really why I do what I do. If I go into a home, one of my last questions is like, do you like this? Like I want to see on their face that it made an actual difference. And I want people to know if you're wondering, you know, what does a professional organizer do? It's not just coming in and moving things around. And there might be some organizers who do that, but I can tell you that I'm not one of them. We are going to touch every single item in whatever space we're working in. I'm going to help you walk through the process because I know a lot of people have, they have an attachment to things. It doesn't mean you're a hoarder. It just means that there's some things that you don't really know how to let go of. doesn't mean you don't want to, or that you can't, you don't know how to. And I think that's something that I bring to the job that people didn't expect. And then after we do one space, I've never had a client that have done one space in their house ever, because you look at one space and then you're like, oh my gosh, this is perfect. And then you turn to the next closet and you're like, ah, I didn't realize it was so bad until I saw something so good. And so, which is great for me. I've got repeat clients. I mean, I have multiple clients have done their entire home from the garage to the hall closet. And it just makes a huge difference in the space and the way that they live. And when I see kids responses to what I do, it's my favorite thing of all time. They are the best at responding. And the parents, you know, during the process are always like, I hope my kids keep it this way. I don't know what they'll think. And multiple, multiple occasions, the kids come home and it's like, mom, can we keep it this way? And the mom will just laugh and like, they want it. Kids thrive on order and they thrive on routine. I mean, think about how a classroom runs. It's not just willy nilly, let's do whatever we want all day. There's order, there's schedules, there's times. There's one thing that I talk about all the time is like creating a zone and a limit to that zone. So think about in a classroom, this is where our folders go. This is how big of a space we have for all of our work. When that's full, we have to move it. So it's the same kind of processes that you do in your home. And I was a kindergarten teacher. So I also think that way as well. Oh, I was a first grade teacher. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. So how did you get from kinder teaching to having your own business on organization? So I graduated with an elementary education degree, went right into teaching and taught for five years. And then I had my oldest and I just didn't want to do that anymore. I didn't want to be gone that much. And the stress of having a kid at home and having 25 kids all day, <laughs> even though I loved what I did, I loved teaching kindergarten, but it was hard. And so I want to just be at home and just focus on that and use what I learned in the classroom with my own kids. But I definitely am also not wanting to stay at home. I've never really had the desire to be a stay-at-home mom, have zero things against it. I think it's amazing, but I love working. I love having something that I get to go do, like my outlet of something that I'm contributing. It fills me up. I love it. So I knew I couldn't not work. And so I wanted to find something to do. And I actually took a part-time job at my church helping in the women's department. And that turned into a full-time job where I was the assistant to the 
the executive women's pastor. And so I did that for six years and loved every second of it. It's Gateway Church in Southlake and they do a big conference every year called Pink Impact. And I was on the front lines of leaning all of that and got to assist the leader of that. I mean, it was just amazing. It was an incredible opportunity. Learned so much about events and about planning things, which I love as well. If I wasn't a teacher, I always wanted to be a wedding coordinator. So that was another dream of mine. So then went from that. And then in the middle of that, I knew my boss was quitting soon. And she's since moved on and someone else has taken over the reins of that ministry. And I knew about a year before that she was going to do that. But I also knew I didn't want to be someone's assistant anymore. Like I feel like the time something inside was stirring in me that said, I feel like there's more. And I actually got a couple confirmations from different people at church of like, feel like it's time for you to step out. And I didn't really know what that meant because I was way comfortable being an assistant. And I actually loved it. When I used to be a teacher, one of my dreams of people would ask, what would you do besides teaching was I want to help someone. I will run errands for someone. I just want to assist and help and feel like I'm contributing to someone and helping them out. And so when I was at the helping in the conference, I was the behind the scene person all the time. I was running around with a microphone. No one ever saw that I helped get all the things together last minute or If some kind of disaster struck, I was the person behind the scenes. And my joy came not from anyone knowing that I did it, but seeing everyone face when they saw it come together. Like I love standing behind, just seeing everyone enjoy what I was able to help do. And so just helping was something that I loved. And so I knew when she was quitting, I didn't want to be an assistant anymore. And so I just started researching, what can I do? Asking my husband, what am I even good at? I don't want to go back to teaching. And the organizing thing, I don't honestly even remember how I started thinking about that, but it was just kind of being and stirring of what if I could do this as a job? So started Googling. This is like 2018. How do you be a professional organized person? I didn't even know what it was called. <laughs> like, is that actually a job? Do people pay you to do that? And my husband now will tell you that he thought I was being ridiculous and that no one is going to pay you to come into their house and organize it. And every day now he's like, can you just make a little bit more money so I can quit my job and we can do this full time? So <laughs> yeah, I'm a good thing. And he is definitely proud of how it's transformed into something that I love. But I just started researching, looked at a lot of stuff on Pinterest, looked at different people who were doing it. And at the time it hadn't blown up on Instagram as much as it had now. And so I kind of just took a leap of faith, which is hard for me. I'm not really a business minded person. I'm more of the creative. I really want to be in the homes. I want to be doing the things. So my husband, the business person has to kind of push me. I did my first post on Instagram and then it really has taken off from there. I've never done marketing. I've never done any kind of anything. It's all been word of mouth. And I don't even know how I have almost 50,000 followers on Instagram. (laughs) It literally blows my mind every day. I feel blessed. I feel honored that people would ask for my opinion and then consider it a good idea (laughs) because I feel like it's just something that's easy to me and I want to help people. If I can help people, I want to do that. Tell me about a time you look back now. You said you started in 2018. You look back on as you started this journey in just like a moment that you can't even believe that you're like, wow, I can't believe that even happened to me. Okay. So probably two, the very beginning, my very first client was a friend of mine who reached out saying, you know, I'm, I'm wanting some help organizing. And at the time I still was kind of like, okay, like thinking in my head, I'm just going to do what I know how to do normally. I don't really know all the professional lingo and everything. So went to her house and it was a friend, but she was paying me. So it wasn't just like I was doing it for free. And I helped her clean out. She was like a hutch of her mom's and her mom had passed away a couple of years ago. So lots of sentimental stuff that we kind of walked through together. A lot of candles she had kept. And it was just one of those like, like when you get everything out and you're like, why do I have all this stuff? So a lot of the things I do now, I did a lot of them that very first appointment, just helping her walk through grief and seeing her reaction of, oh my gosh, I mean, it looked amazing and what I was able to do. And then she paid me. And I remember sitting in my car when I left saying, and I think it was a hundred dollars. I mean, like nothing compared to what I get now. And I just could not 
not believe that someone would pay me a hundred dollars to help them do something that I first of all loved and then was so easy for me. Like it literally blew my mind and I cried and I was like, is this what I'm doing? Like I love doing this. Sitting at home for these last couple months has been torture for me. And I want to be helping because I, I love it so much. I've done a couple of virtual organizing sessions, which are hard because I want to be there so bad. They send me their pictures and I just want to get my hands on it. So I try as best I can. I hope I've helped the people that I have, but I've been trying to figure out how to monetize Amazon, how to monetize my Instagram, different products that I'm selling. I've never really done that before. So I've really figured that out for the first time. I mean, if you're listening to this and I've sent you a link in the last three years, I've made nothing on it. Like I have never monetized this. And so now that I'm learning all of that, I'm kicking myself. So if you want to help me buy from my swipe ups, <laughs> anyways, I'm trying to figure that out. Not like going crazy with it, but I think it's an amazing way that people, first of all, companies can help market their stuff through influencers and people who are already have a relationship with people. I already have people who are talking to me. And if I can give them a good recommendation on a product and make a little kickback from it, I think that helps us and helps them. And anyway, so I'm trying to do that. And then I think the other, from your first question, the other kind of like, wow moment, Marie Kondo, do you know, like the tidying up person? I think it was February, late February. I think I've read a little bit of her book. I don't super follow her a lot, but somehow she got a hold of one of my pictures and reposted it like late February. And that's what kind of made my Instagram take off. So it was literally bananas. Like the first three minutes, it was 4,000 followers. That morning I had 8,000 followers. And that afternoon I had 24,000. And then it just Nuts. And I don't say this to be like, oh my God, Instagram followers. I'm not that person. I hope no one hears that when I'm saying this. But to me, it did in that moment was, you know, she shares a lot of people's pages and it's not, she shares lots of pictures of organizing. But when people saw mine and then came to my page, they stayed. It's not like they just liked her picture and then they were like, cool. And I think that struck something in me of like, okay, they're seeing something that they like and they actually want to stick around and hear what I have to say. And I, I want to do a good job at it. Like I want to make it productive. I want to bring content that's actually worth something, but I also want to be real at the same time. I don't want to seem over rehearsed. I don't want to seem fake. I want you to see my real life and my, my messes because I'm a mom too and things are crazy. I love Instagram and do all of that, but I can go a week without doing it because I don't have time for it. <laughs> but yeah, I want to connect however I can. And so I think it was just, I was shocked that I was doing something that that many people wanted to see. Are you completely overwhelmed with the thought of organizing all of your photos, but you know that it needs to be done because these are sweet, precious moments and memories that are just floating around in digital space or in closets? Well, don't worry. I've got your back. I have a five-day challenge to organize your photos, and it is starting as soon as you click on it. Come join in. Go to jbird.com brazil.com slash OYPC. Again, that's jbrazil.com slash OYPC and hop in that challenge with me today. I can't wait. We are going to tackle this together. That's amazing. That's so fun. Just like knowing that this is your calling and that this is what you're supposed to do. And then you just get that little extra bump, little extra pat on the back. So tell me about your three girls and how they have played into the journey of what you've gone through. My oldest is the spitting image of me in every single way, emotionally, physically, everything. And she is definitely like my tidier. She will organize something and be like, mom, look, look what I just organized her. Oh, let me see what you did at work. I want to see how cool it is. My middle child is more of my husband. He's a seven. Just like you said, she just kind of like, whatever. My pajamas are thrown on the floor. Sure. I'll pick them up for you. 
she also has like that servant heart where she's like, I want to help mom. Like, what can I do in the morning? She'll say, especially with all this being at home so much, she'll say, I want to be the best person I can be today for you, mom. And then, yeah, baby. I mean, that's hard. (laughs) Even though I've done it twice, a baby is hard to throw in the mix. And then we got crazy and about seven weeks ago, got a puppy. So I don't really know what was going through our heads. Uh, I think I was like, I'm home right now. This is the only time I feel like I can do it. Let's just do it. He really has been enjoying. It's been great. But there's never not a challenging moment. I think everyone knows that. And personally, from having three kids, I've dealt with hormonal issues like a lot of people. And so after my first, I knew I had some issues. Like I'm a one, I'm already like a little bit high stress and I want things to be a certain way. And with babies and kids, that does not happen. That's never going to happen, but I still want it. It's still something that I crave and something that I need. So when it's not happening, it's a little hard for me to process and to function and especially during the hormonal stuff. And so after I had my second, it got even worse. So I got on an antidepressant, which was one of the hardest decisions I've ever, ever had to make in my life. And I remember holding it every single night for one week before I ever took I would hold it every night and be like, okay, I'm taking it. And then I would just cry and then say, I can't do this. I'm a Christian. I'm supposed to pray and I'm supposed to get better. People are supposed to pray for me and I'm supposed to be strong enough. And what's wrong with me? Why, why can't I do it? And so, you know, through the support of my family and my husband who loves me more than I deserve and encourages me, like, it's not you, it's not your fault. This is, you know, you need help and this is going to help. It's going to be great. And anyway, so I did that and I was on it for a little over a year and I was a different person and it was a good decision, but hard. I mean, as a Christian, that's a hard decision to make. Like I should be able to control my feelings and control my behaviors. And I couldn't, like, I couldn't not get angry. Yeah. That was something that has affected me. And I think maybe always will affect me after now having three babies. And then before getting our last girl, we had two miscarriages that were completely unexpected. We weren't even trying for kids with the first one. And so it was a miracle and blessing. We were excited. And then to lose her, lose him at eight, eight and a half weeks. And we lost the second one at 10 and a half weeks. And so just all the emotions and all the things that go with that and the hormones and how that affected my body and So the fact that I feel like I can sit here on the other side and this pregnancy has been so much better and I don't fully know what that's attributed to. I'm not taking the medicine anymore, which is great. But I think having my support system and my husband who knows she's having a bad day, everybody leave mom alone or whatever it is. The biggest thing that I feel like I've learned or hopefully been able to teach my kids through the stress of even just this crazy time of we're all under each other's noses all the time right now. And that's hard. Even if I was the most positive person in the world, that's hard for everybody. And we have kids who they're not able to process how they're feeling. So like if my child is crying on the bed because her sister, whatever, last night my oldest was crying and she isn't really emotional. She really couldn't process what she was crying about. And it ended up just being like, I'm tired of playing with sister. Well, she's tired of playing with her sister because she's tired of just seeing her sister all the time. And so I think what I'm, what I'm hoping is that something that I'm trying to teach my kids is the raw and the real and the honesty is so important. And I want to do that with them. I want them to be able to tell me how they're really feeling in honesty and apologize for things, be able to talk that way, but I have to do the same thing. And so through my struggles and all of that, if I have a terrible day, I have to go to my kids and I have to cry to them and I have to look them in the eye and I have to say, mommy messed up real bad today. And I was not a nice person. Remember when I said that to you, it was not okay that mommy said that to you. And, you know, I heard you talking to sister like I was talking to you. That's not okay because mommy shouldn't have talked to you that way. I'm hoping that that realness and that vulnerability teaches them that it's okay to mess up. And it's okay to make mistakes as long as you own it and you try better the next day telling my daughter, like, I know it's really hard. It's easy to get frustrated. It's hard for mom. 
it's real hard for mom. So like, can we help each other? I want to help you. And can you help me? If you see me getting frustrated, can you remind me to take a breath? And if I see you getting frustrated, I'm going to remind you to take a deep breath. Just so they feel like they're not alone in struggling. It's not easy. And as much as I can make systems and make I mean, my house is clean because that housekeeper come and it's organized, but it doesn't mean that there can't be a mess of life in the middle of that. And it's just hard. Yeah, that is so true. That's such a good point. And I think you're being so authentic. And I think that that is not always something we were necessarily raised with. That's like a thing that we've become aware of now, this generation. I think our parents' generation parented very differently. And so the fact that you're implementing that is huge. Just the awareness it brings. It's amazing. Okay. So I have a selfish question. Pantries. What's the first thing you do when you come in to organize a pantry? Okay. So my husband would tell you this too, because it's pretty much foolproof. I do the same thing every single time in every single space. Don't tell me you take everything out of it. All of it. All of it. And I will have clients who say, well, actually, we don't have to take everything out because I just went through it like a month ago. And I'll say, "Okay, no, that's great. We're still going to take everything out because that's what we do. (laughs) Because I can guarantee you, I can guarantee you, I'm going to find something in here that you didn't see because you didn't take everything out. And it's hard to understand, but if you do it, you're going to see it's a huge difference because now you're seeing every single thing that's in there. You're overlooking the stuff in the back that you keep shoving back there. (laughs) Oh, that is not what I wanted to hear. Thought they were just some like, magic way to do it. No. I mean, if I had like a Mary Poppins bag or something and I could like tap it and it would get clean, that'd be awesome. Okay. Put on your like psychology hat and think, why is that? That that's where you always start when you organize something. You always start by taking everything out. Why do you think that is? What's the psychology behind it? I think there is for sure a benefit of a clean slate. So like I always tell tell people, you're going to have a space that looks like when you moved into this house. You haven't seen people who've lived in their house for years and years. Say they lived in the house for 17 years. Their pantry won't look like that. It's going to look like it's that for the first time in 17 years. And just like having a different perspective of a space literally changes how you interact in that space. And so I think that's a huge part of it. Like having that blank slate, we're going to clean everything. It's going to be fresh and new. You're not going to hate it. Like you've always hated it before. And then this is a Marie Kondo thing is touching every item, like literally seeing and evaluating everything that you have. I mean, you can't overlook anything. So I mean, maybe that's a psychological part of it. Like you can't overlook it. You have to address it. Every single thing has to be brought out to the light. We're not going to keep anything in the dark anymore. One of the things I always tell clients when I'm looking at a space and it's a mess and they're overwhelmed and I can tell on their face, they're like, are you stressed? Cause isn't this really bad? You've never seen anything so bad in your life. And I'm like, no, because what I think is when we're done in here, there's not going to be one corner that you don't know where something is. And so that's always a goal. There's not going to be a space in this entire area where you don't know what's there. I feel like there's just so much freedom of that. And, you know, even if there's still a lot of stuff in there, I know that on this shelf is every single one of the sheets. In my entire house, there's no more sheets anywhere. I don't need to go searching for where are the sheets or where are the batteries, where are the flashlights. They actually all have a home now. And if anyone in my family needs them, we know right where to get them. That's so not what I wanted to hear, but so great. (laughs) (laughs) And that's why you hire a professional. Yes, true. Good point. Good point. Because sometimes you just need somebody to walk you through the steps, no matter how big or small they are, because we weren't really made to do this by ourselves, the whole life thing. Exactly. Yeah. It's not easy. It's definitely not easy. Although this is what I tell the people who work with me. So I have two employees that work with me and then another who works sometimes. 
So when I'm training them and teaching them how to talk to clients, there's things that I've learned is I use the terminology. So say I use this one a lot because it's happened a lot. So like, what are they called? Oven mitt or like, you know, things you take things out of the oven with. So you take all of them. Most people have a lot of them. I don't know why. I don't understand it. But a lot of people have a lot of oven mitts. And so we put them all out on the counter and I say, okay, tell me about this. And that's how I say it. Complete straight face. I want to laugh because I want to say, why do you have 10 oven mitts? You have one oven and you have two hands. We just need one pair of oven mitts. But I don't. My reaction is, tell me about this. And so I'm going to get one or two reactions from the client. They're either going to laugh and say, I don't know. I have so many oven mitts. Let's get rid of some. Or they're going to say, okay, well, this one is made from my, by my daughter in the third grade. I have to keep that one. This was my grandma's favorite oven mitt. I have to keep that one. This one, I actually hate. I don't know why I have it. This one is the only one I ever use all the time. So now I'm going to learn more things about what it actually means. Why did this happen? How did you accumulate so much stuff? And then I can help walk them through the process of figuring out how to get down to what we want. So I'm not coming in. I think a lot of there's a misconception is I'm going to come in and tell you what to do. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to come in and help you get to where you want to be. And so if it's walk me through that, okay, this one and this one and this one are all sentimental. So if they say something like that, I'm saying, you never are using that in the kitchen. No. Okay. Well then we need to find a place for it that it can go so that you're not looking at it all the time. Like that's a sentimental item. You just want to keep, let's put it in a sentimental place. Let's just keep the things here that you actually want to use. So you're not digging through stuff every time. We're just going to find a place for it that makes sense and isn't draining. I think a lot of people have visual clutter and that does something to your brain too. So say you're in your pantry and there's things way in the back you always get to, but to get to those things, you have to go through all the stuff in the front that you actually hate, or a closet is actually a better example. People have so much stuff in their closet. They're never wearing, they don't like to wear and they're never going to wear, but they have it. And they just haven't gone through the process of getting rid of it because it's hard. It takes a long time. And so every day you're going past all the things you have to shuffle them. You have to move them out of the way in your drawers. You have to move them out of the way in your drawers. You have to move all the yoga pants you hate to get to the two that you like. So instead of doing that, let's get rid of that visual clutter of the things you hate. And if you only have two pairs of yoga pants that you love and you wear every day, let's just keep those. Let's keep those in a place that you want to grab every single day. So now every day when you open that drawer, you don't have that struggle to decide where is all this and that visual clutter you're looking over. You just grab the one that you like and you're happy. Like it's just so much more freeing of a decision or it will help you decide or realize I only have two pairs of pants that I love. I need to buy some pants. I didn't even realize I didn't have pants that I liked. I need to go buy some pants. And also you're speaking like my other love language of visual clutter because I'm really big on having all your photos organized, especially in your phone. That is like my biggest thing. And I've never used the word visual clutter, but that's what it is. When you look at your phone, you get overwhelmed because you're like, I have all these pictures. I don't know where they're stored, all of that. And so what you're, you're basically doing that through your closet, your house, all your, all your nooks and crannies. Another word that I use a lot is like decision fatigue. So if you have a closet full of stuff you never wear, and I'm not saying you've got to go down to a capsule wardrobe. I have clients and friends who have tons of clothes, but it's down to what they love and everything that they look at, they like wearing. But if you don't, it's decision fatigue. So now every day you're like, uh, what do I want to wear? I hate all this. I hate all this. I hate all this. And by the time you finally pick something, you just feel drained and you don't even want to wear anything. And that doesn't feel good either. I just learned that, well, I guess relearned it, learned it, the decision fatigue phrase not that long ago. And I've kind of been using it like every other day, like around 4 p.m. I'm like, I have decision fatigue. I can't do anything else right now. I hope I made dinner in the crock pot because if not, we're going hungry today. I have decision fatigue. (laughs) 
Uh, okay, well, Mallory, tell me what you're doing right now in your life that helps you live an unhurried life. Oh man, that's hard. <laughs> I think it's hard all the time. My husband got a tattoo last year on my birthday and it just says, be present. And it was something that I feel like the Lord had been speaking to him for a, quite a while. Of like, how do I just be where I'm at? He's a seven. He's always looking towards the future. Like, what's the next best thing that I can do? And so, right, you get it. So his kind of mantra right now is like, be present. And I think if we could all like grasp hold of that. I mean, even me, like with my kids, like, I just want to be present. I don't want to have that unhurried kind of feeling. I don't know if I'm achieving that well right now in my life, honestly. I think the added stress of my kids home all the time when I'm used to them being at school, the added stress of having to deal with my kids' emotions all day, every day and fighting all day, every day. It's been hard to not look back on the day and say, where did that day go? So yeah, I think that's actually a good good question for me of how, how can I try to do better at being unhurried and to be present in the moment? And, and I think for me, that's going to look like as a one, I put a lot of expectations on myself of like, okay, unhurried life. That means today I'm not going to look at my phone and I'm going to cook an amazing meal. My kids are going to play games together. It's going to be so fun. <laughs> yeah, that is not reality. And so I think it's going to have to be small moments for me. When I get to the end of a day, if I do have a good day where it's like, I felt like this was a good day, it's I had small moments of good throughout the entire day. It wasn't everything went awesome today. This day was amazing. I am amazing. It's wow, that one time was good. Or wow, my nine month old took all three naps. This was a great day. <laughs> I think it's just small moments and looking for those and then you know, being happy when you see them, when you find them, acknowledging them to yourself and then starting over the next day. Yeah. Definitely starting over the next day. We all get a clean slate. Like you said earlier, clean slate. Oh, uh, well, Mallory, it's been so much fun to talk to you and I look forward to the next time. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I hope it was helpful and that it was enjoyable to listen to. Thanks so much, Jen. Mallory, Mallory, she makes me want to try and organize my pantry. <laughs> Maybe if I had a whole week alone because I feel like dragging everything out of my pantry and laying in my kitchen is a recipe for broken toes and children that are going to eat way too much. <laughs> Next week, we are talking with the wonderful Ali Casaza and we take organization and decluttering to a whole nother level by going outside the four walls of your house. This episode is going to be interesting to say the least and extremely inspirational. I can't wait for you to join me on The Unhurried Life next week. Until then, I am Jim Brazil and I will see you over on Instagram.